It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show today. We were having a crack, myself and Louise, the other day. Do you remember about uh, Bill Withers' song and Lovely Day? And many times he says it in the song. Well, we're coming back to that in a a couple of moments' time because we want to definitively put that situation to bed once and for all. But uh, in the meantime, let's say hello to a good friend of ours from Classified Records in Dundalk. Neil Waters is on the line. Afternoon, Neil. Afternoon, Jerry. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, first up, the Beatles single, a single after all these years, now and then, and it's number one in the charts and it's walking out of record shops. What do you make of it? Uh, well, it's it's obviously something different. It's, you know, first time they've, they've ever done something like this. I think they released the demo in 1995, the Free as a Bird song. And uh, Universal are behind the Beatles, the biggest label in the world, and they're pushing it heavy. So there's three different versions of it uh, on 7-inch, and then there's a 12-inch. The B-side is Love Me Do. And um, I'm a huge Beatles fan, but I personally don't love it. And yet I understand the fascination with it. This new AI technology is possibly a game-changer, though. Okay, so you, and I know you are a huge Beatles fan, but come back to that. You're not a fan of this concept of the way this song has been produced, is that it? Not at all. I mean, I I love the Beatles movie, the Get Back with uh, uh, Jackson, who made Lord of the Rings, okay? So he's involved in the process of this, and it's possibly the same software. And it's one thing making a, a documentary series where we're seeing footage we've never seen before that's visually uh, stimulating but the Beatles hit their high point in when at Abbey Road right and they hit the high point in Sgt Peppers and it's that's 50 years ago and I don't know I'm just not cool with um, post posthumous music mm. I, you know we'll, we'll, we'll be making graveyard music and funeral music who, who else is going to come out of the, the ground and release a, a record next mm. I mean it's great for people that want Beatles new Beatles material and as a Beatles fan, I feel like this is sacrilege saying I don't like it, but I really don't like it myself. It, I've noticed even in the song that there's a, a bit of a phony situation where Paul McCartney plays George Harrison's parts. So it sounds like George Harrison's playing, but it's not. It's actually McCartney playing. Right. So, yeah, and that's just my phonetic yeah. ear hearing that. And, yeah. uh, and yet it's exciting. It, it, it's, you know, it's a true wonder that this kind of thing can happen. So... Uh, Please, I'm not trying to be too critical of it, but just personally, I'm not crazy about it. And the implications I take for this are on your mind too, down the road. As you say there, where does this begin or end? Where is this going to take, you know what I mean, uh, music in the future? That's a concern of yours. Yes, and it's a bit like the deep fake videos. You know, we don't know sometimes if we're looking at, is that really Donald Trump or is that an AI? Is that a video or is that somebody superimposed? And, you know, there's a story out there now that you just can't trust anything you see on, on the Internet anymore because mm. of the AI technology. So does that work for music? I, I believe music should be a bit more organic and played by, you know, hands and hearts and, you know, whatever instrument you're playing. It's, it's a real, true organic thing. Mm. And this certainly isn't. It's very interesting to hear you talk. It's just my opinion on yeah, it, no, listen, and It's just I, one man's view. Yeah, and I, but I wanted to hear that today because it's something you, you don't hear at the minute. Everyone's carried away with the, 
brouhaha of the of the single after all these years and it's walking out of record stores we know yeah. that anyway it's number one in the charts you know and it's yeah. nice to hear your, your voice as someone with your experience in the business say this as well and I appreciate you saying it and, and I want to say again he is the biggest Beatles fan you'll ever meet he absolutely <laughs> loves them I want to tell you about that anyway in a general sense you know this is another thing that's given uh, vinyl a lift as well how are you shaping up for the Christmas it's okay yeah um you know, like everywhere, we're all, we've all got less money and um, we're all just getting by. And I think it's about sort of keeping calm and when things aren't so good. Anybody can celebrate the victories and the wins. Um, but it's sort of how you get back in the horse after a defeat. And I'm not going to lie, the last 12 months have been tough for everybody. It did the, the last three years as, as well, but it's hit a sort of nadir this year in terms of, you know, footfall on the street. Uh, it looks like having spoke to other people in other record shops and bookshops, similar industries, unless you're in Dublin getting some sort of tourist trade, um, things are, are pretty grim. Uh, even in the, the record shop in Kilkenny, they were saying that to me this week. Uh, mm. The place in Cavan is very much similar too. And uh, I, I, I don't blame people for not going uptown and not um, having the money to go shopping. So it's a, uh, we're sort of stuck in an economic cycle here. Weaver. But Christmas is always a boost. Um, the shop's full of records lights are on and you know we're always here having a trying to have a, a good vibe and a good time mm. um and that's all we can do is hold the line and like a soldier would and, and just keep sort of inching forward um yes. but i'm not going to joke you know the looking at figures from before covid it definitely seems like that was another world ago mm. um and i'm sure every business and every household would say the same in terms of having to do expected to do more with less mm. But but Neil, I want to say this as well, and I understand what you're saying. The other aspect, of course, is the online world, and it's so easy to click yeah. and shop on that as yeah. well. But I want to say this yeah. again today, and I mean this sincerely, I always say it. The likes of yourself, local record stores, bookshops, small independents across the board. If we do not support these people, the, the likes of Neil and his ilk this year... Well, it's too late in January, February, crying when the doors close or people are not there or you can't drop in uh, to get something that you want. And I want to say that again. I would appeal to people this Christmas time to shop local, support local and support the likes of Neil as well, because without them, we are a lesser society and people. I just want to say that today uh, to everybody. Please do your best for our local people and support them all over the northeast and beyond. They really do appreciate it and they need it more than ever at this time. Beside the Beatles, what else? What else now are you seeing a bit of a, a demand for it in terms of what you're buying in and you hope to sh- ship on to customers? You're a very kind soul, Jerry. Um, yeah, we sell a bit of everything. You know, second-hand is when you have um, beautiful, sort of very good condition second-hand records, which are considerably cheaper than the new stuff. Don't forget... Mm. Uh, rising costs affect every aspect of reality and records are now more expensive for me to buy them than I was selling them for when we opened. Right. Okay. And prices were more or less fixed up until 2020. And even up until 2020, we were paying, uh, you know, as I say, records are more expensive now for me to buy them than I was retailing them mm. for before COVID. So that shows you how upside down things yes. are. We then uh, activate by selling second-hand collections. We sell random bits of, you know, cassettes, DVDs, VHS, CDs, merch. Um, sometimes if we get some equipment in, like a turntable or a nice amplifier, we can move that on for somebody who's looking for one. I do keep lists in my diary of people that are saying to me, like, listen, if you get a Technics turntable in second-hand, let me know. Yeah. And that's a sort of simple, old-school way of operating. We run a Christmas club here, for example, yeah. every Christmas. Uh, we do gigs in the shop. Um, and, you know, being a small unit on the, on the high street, you're confined by your space, um, and yet you have to have big ideas that jump out of that space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so it's, it's a continual thing. Yeah, and, 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 and a wide range there as well, as you say, on offer. And yeah. you can, the one thing I want to say as well, if you drop into Neil, he'll, he'll get you what you want. That's the thing about it. He can get it for you and get it quickly as well and, and have it for you too. But look, that's a good broad spread there of what you're doing and, and what is what is available. Now, let's come on to this song because we wanted to chat to you being a man in the know about this as well. Early in the week, Louise and myself were having the crack about the song Lovely Day by Bill Withers and Louise just happened to say off the cuff, 
wonder many times he actually says lovely day in the song. So like two egots here earlier in the week, Neil, um, yeah. we, we, we played it and we both sat and tallied as best we could uh, the number of times he says lovely day in the song. Now, I think I came up with around... 89, wasn't Louise at the time? Or, or what figure was it? 98? I can't remember what I... I tallied it here. Did I say 89 or 98? 89, wasn't it? I think it said 80s, I said 80, yeah. I, I thought it was 89 times he said it in the song. On the day, not now, Louise has been working on this since. On the day, what did you think he, he I think I, I thought it was around about 120-something. Okay, that's what Louise thought it on was. On the day, yeah. On the day. Now, I know you've been listening to this song on, on our behalf. Neil Waters, definitively today, from Classified Records in Dundalk. What's your number? I think the correct answer is too many. (laughs) (laughs) I was. No, I did did get a head count, actually. Um, The song was originally a B-side, and the radios realised how good it was, and they flipped it. So that just shows you the song started out in a strange place. And having listened to it, the song only has two verses, and he sings it repeatedly at the end of both verses, in and out of a guitar solo very gently and I counted 113 one one three yeah okay. 26 at the end of the first verse and then uh, he, sorry sorry uh, 74 he says it 26 times in a row without taking a breath really? and there's 74 by the end of the by the start of the second verse and then another 39 that totals one one three okay okay and the reason he I just looked into it because he's got a style this is I've been Bill Withers fan myself and he does have a style. He does have a technique, and it's what he does is he he that the reason that's probably in there is that I know I know is in there is because it's it's what they call a placeholder. Uh, yeah. Lyricist songwriters put these placeholders in as a sort of skeleton around which you can build your song eventually. They're okay. almost like demo lyrics, and the producer, who's a famous guy Booker T, listened to the original recording and said, "No, keep that in," mm. and it was actually a, like a happy accident. Right. So it's not meant to be like that, but it sounded okay. And he's yeah. got a great voice and he could get away with it, with his swagger. Um, he also, if you listen to a couple of more, other of his songs, Lean On Me, he says to replace ca- uh, the phrase call me 20 times in that song. Mm. And then another of his songs, Lovely Day, yeah. he, goes, he, he says that about 100 times in the song, the yeah. title. So that he, do, he did have a technique. There's, there's three songs of his that did the exact same thing. Um, so interesting. Yeah, so he did have a style. Okay, so Louise has overshot the runway. I've undershot the runway. And Neil says today, 113 is the figure. Give or take. Give, yeah, yeah. Give or okay, take. okay. So yeah. one, and one, a couple of, fun, couple of fun facts on that record as well. The bass player was a guy called Donald Duck Dunn, who was the bass player in the Blues Brothers movie. Really? Yeah, when you see him, he's got a beard. He looks like a ZZ Top kind of guy. Yes. And believe it or not, Stephen Stills, who from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, actually played session guitar on uh, Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. Really? There you go, yeah, all the go. links I'm a there. Proper music you are a new a music man for sure. Booker T and the MGs, of course, we remember them as well, and you mentioned him in the context. Yeah. And how many, just before we go, how many, how many times did he say it without taking a breath, did you say? 26. Wow. That's so. <laughs> That's some achievement, <laughs> even yeah. all by itself. Fantastic, fantastic! It really is. Ask, yeah. If you ask any, I can't play the guitar, but if you ask anybody who plays the a guitar, like he, you're sort of using your voice as an extra melody mm. and to hold a note, nearly. And that's obviously a style of doing it. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, it's called brilliant. a placeholder. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Well, sure, we might as well have a listen to it now. Wish you well for the uh, weeks ahead. Hope you do loads of great business. Without you, we'd be lost, I have to say. Continued success to Classified Records. Check it out in the heart of the dock, in the mall there. He'll help you with anything you want. He's always so helpful to us. Neil Waters, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, James. My pleasure. Take care of yourself. Hello. Hundred and thirteen, definitively lovely days from Bill Withers. Yes, you have it here and heard it on late lunch from Neil Waters from Classified Records. Now, all next week on the Breakfast Show with Chris, he wants to find out who is County Mead's favourite local retailer. And first off, we want to hear from you. Yes, between now and Monday, we want you to tell us 
Who is your retailing hero that goes that extra mile with a smile? Let us know by texting us at 086-1800-658. And if your information for Mead's favourite local retailer is selected next week on The Breakfast Show, then we'll give you a €100 My Mead gift card to spend in any one of 400 local retailers across the county of Mead. So get texting to 086-1800-658 and let us know who you think should be crowned County Mead's favourite local retailer. Simple as that. Chris will be on to it next week. That is for sure. We're on to this now on Late Lunch. Great! I love TV. We watch TV. TV Themes with Jerry Kelly on The Late Lunch. Remember that TV movie we saw? TV, TV, TV! It's a tough one today. That's not easy, that TV theme. What is the show we're talking about? That is the theme from a famous TV show. Do you want a clue? Will I give you a clue? No, I'll let it fly. Oh, will I? It's big. It's big money. Uh, It's coming back. It's coming back. It is coming back, I promise you. What's the theme there? We're looking for 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me. That's 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. The answer, identify that TV theme and I'll send you out a lovely gift. I promise you, before the end of the show today, we'll pick you and send it to you. ASAP. I have a crow to pick. I really have. With Loud County Council. I live on the Ballamacenny Road in Drogheda. And it was absolute bedlam down there this morning. Bedlam, bedlam, bedlam. There's a college, you see, there and two primary schools. And the councillor digging two big holes. One on the Ballamacenny Road and the other just across the road from the big hole on the Ballamacenny Road at Matson Lodge, where I live. This morning with the schools, it was chaos. Children were late going to school. People were telling me it took them up to an hour to get uh, to a place where it would have taken them five minutes normally. And you know what I, I, I despair about? Who makes these decisions? Let's call a spade a spade. Rather than causing absolute bedlam frustration, children being late for school and all that goes with it, can we not do those jobs later in the day when the schools are finished? Can we not do them at weekends when the schools aren't there? Is there anyone with a brain at all that can, you know, figure this difficult conundrum out? Or at night time as well? It's a joke. It's a joke. I don't know whether you're affected by it this morning. On the north side of Drogheda, out Ballamick anyway, schools and colleges there. We are caught up in it. I know several people and I got a number of calls this morning. I'm living down there as well. Thankfully, I hadn't to move. But in the name of God, what are we like in this country? Do we not understand? Not one, two, but three schools, a college and two primary schools with thousands of children and parents moving there in the morning times. It was chaotic, chaotic. Not good enough, Loud County Council. Not good enough. I know jobs have to be done. I'm not saying they don't. And I'd be giving out if you weren't doing I don't know what you're digging the two big holes for, but there's plenty of fellas standing looking into the holes and me coming to work. You know this Irish thing, standing looking down into the hole. There was some hole in people's lives this morning when they couldn't move in or out. In the name of God, not just loud, county councils and people doing these uh, utility works, will you cop on and cop on that you have to work round school times and busy times and peak times? Push the soapbox away now. I think I'm just done for today. Please, please take on board what I'm saying. And you understand the frustration. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Mary Cassidy, the former state pathologist, is with me after two. I love it, Ollie. Great to hear from you, Ollie Boland and Navin, this afternoon. Well, Jerry, after that rant, I take it it's not a happy Friday. <laughs> well, I tell you, I'm all, I'm generally always happy, to be honest with you, Ollie. But I have to call a spade a spade, and a spade being the optimal word with the two big holes they've dug either side of the road and stopped everybody getting to school and work and back home. I'll just leave it be. Anyway, I've said enough, Ollie. Lovely to hear from you on the show today. A little competition for you now on Late Lunch. If you'd like to unlock the magic of Drogheda's unique shops, delicious dining and lots 
lots more with a love Drahada gift card this Christmas. You can get one by checking it out online at lovedrahada.ie. Lovedrahada.ie. Over 220 local businesses, including bars, restaurants, boutiques, etc. They're all there. You can use the card and spend in those local shops. You'll be doing a great turn for them as well, I have to say. I have 50 euro loaded on a Love Drahada gift card today for one of you. The question is this. The Boyne Viaduct, a famous bridge over the River Boyne that carries the railway line. I want to know, when was that bridge completed? Was it 1853, 1854 or 1855? It's a magnificent structure. 1853, 1854 or 1855 for the Love Draw the Card with €50 Euro on it today. Answers please to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Now, my next guest is so well known to you. I know she is. She was 15 years as our state pathologist here in Ireland. I spoke to her back in 2020 when she published her wonderful memoir called Beyond the Tape and she's back now with her first ever novel called Body of Truth. Mary Cassidy, lovely to have you with us today. Oh, delighted. Thank you for inviting me to speak to you. Not at all. It's great to hear your voice again. How are you getting on? You left us. <laughs> Yeah, but I came back. <laughs> I know, I know, indeed. But you know something? I, when I hear your voice there and listeners hear you as well, you were a real celebrity in this. Now, I know your job was a very tough job. Did you understand how big a celeb you were? Well, as I say, the thing was, I was a constant, a terrible thing to say, but I was a constant when things happened, when things went wrong. Mm. And I was the identifiable person in amongst a group of, of white white suits and, and usually white hair. <laughs> <laughs> You're very modest, I have to say. But you see, we fell for you with your lovely Scottish accent. And as you say, you were there. And I, I don't mean to demean in any way. They were very <laughs> difficult times for all concerned and yourself as well. But I said I just mentioned that before we began. Anyway, this book is fantastic. I'm sure you're wallowing in the success and all the reviews. Absolutely <laughs> love it. You must be thrilled for your first novel. Well, I'm astonished. <laughs> <laughs> I had no preconceived ideas. I thought it's like everything in my life. I just thought, oh, well, we'll give it a go and see how it goes. And um, it's worked for me so far in my last 60 odd years. So, <laughs> hey ho. <laughs> hey ho is right. But look, at uh, this is only the first of, I'm sure, several installments because through your career, b- before you came here and, and in Ireland as well, with all you've had to deal with, should you've had that much, uh, you know, material to get down on the pages. It's no surprise that you're away to a flyer with this one. Let me ask you this. Uh, it is you, isn't sure. it? You are Dr. Terry O'Brien, <laughs> the main character, aren't you? Um, I She's a person that I would like to be because mm. she's tall. <laughs> 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 and I struggle in that area. Um, I think she's, I think it's like all authors, you, you write about what you know and there's usually something of yourself in characters. And, but I think it gives you the opportunity to say the things that you would love to have said at the time and do the things that you would perhaps wanted to do but never could. Mm, I see. So you're able to now, in a way, uh, reinvent yourself as the person you really wanted to be. Is that what you're saying to me? <laughs> That's it. When I had to bite my tongue, I now can say these things and go, yes. well, that wasn't me who said that. <laughs> what an opportunity this affords you now and in the future. But listen, uh, Dr. Terry O'Brien, you know, as you say, tall person, but a, a strong character gets stuck into a situation here in Ireland. Really, you know, w- w- you know, about the missing women, especially here. That, that, yes. that, that runs through this, doesn't it? Those missing women. Missing women and femicide in particular, because um, it's something that, um, I was just listening to the news there just now, it's something that is um, very close to us all at all times. And it's something that I've always... Oh, I've always carried about with me is this this burden of the number of women in, in Ireland that have been killed over the years. And um, so the, the book kind of touches on that, that theme. Mm. And, and the first murder in the Phoenix Park in this book, without giving too much away, was of uh, mm-hmm. a young woman called Rachel Reese, the host of a true 
Cracked Crime mm-hmm. podcast called Missing Women uh, in Ireland. And there's a brutal uh, murder there. And then this leads on to a sequence of events. When you see Dr. Terry O'Brien, who we believe is you, uh, who, uh, you know, really says, you know, the line of inquiry here is not right. Did you ever feel that, you know, uh, in your work, you know, professionally? Did you ever, you know, without saying anything, as you said, did you yeah. ever feel they were going the wrong direction? Well, as I said, I would make a dreadful detective, really would. Because every time we were dealt with somebody, I would go, definitely the husband, definitely the husband. There's no two ways about it. <laughs> I'm not, a, there's been, we've done nothing in, in the investigation side at all, but I've just got, yeah, it has to be the husband. No, there was one thing in my in my career was that I couldn't allow myself to get drawn into that. Yeah. And I, much as, you know, much as like everybody else who was looking in from the outside would be, you know, wondering what was going on. I just had to say, look, that somebody else is going to be dealing with that side of it. You stick to what you're here to do. You're here to do, you know, deal with the, the, the body, find out the cause of death and see if you can help. You can't help the victim now, but maybe um, help the families get some form of justice. Mm. In this book, of course, uh, Dr. Terry ties in with the uh, the police, which you have to do anyway, and uh, yes. becomes very friendly with a number on the policing side as well, and others too. Is that the way it works in practice? I know this is a fiction book. Is that the way it actually works? But that is the way it actually works because you become a team. Yeah. Um, and I think they, in, the, in the olden days, as my children call it when I was young and foolish, um, they, they, they were central characters and, and big figures that would come along. Uh, the likes of Jack Harbison, you know, he was, um, it was very obvious at a crime scene. It was a very obvious figure. but um, And he was revered in a way but those times have changed and now people have different expectations and um, even the, the investigation has changed so much that it has to be team. It has to be, um, you have to get on with everybody. You all have to work together. So there's there's no big egos. You just all have to plough in. Mm, and that, that's very important in the context of, of the job in hand. Uh, just meant to mention that the podcast there also in your book is related to a government minister, which adds further to the intrigue for, for sure. Can I say to you about the book, there's a lot of humour. You're a very uh, humorous woman anyway, so we get that. But there's a lot. It, it's very funny in places for a crime novel. Is that fair to say? Well, I... That's that is me. <laughs> I can't deny that part of me. Uh, the only thing I've ever taken seriously is death. Everything else, I don't take myself seriously. And there's humour in everything, and we all know that. Mm. Um, I mean, sometimes you think that uh, a good funeral is much better than a good wedding. I mean, there's better crack at the funeral than there is at a wedding, and and people do they find humour in in darkness. Yes. Yes, and that is so true. And you know us Irish for celebrating the passing as well. We certainly now know how to do it well. I don't have to re- to remind you, you <laughs> about that. Um, in terms of, of bringing the, you know, you've developed the characters very well in it, the plot, etc. How, how long, you know, we spoke, as I mentioned there, when you brought out your memoir back in 2020. Did you find this a long drawn out process to write the book? Or was it easy because of your experience and all the cases you've dealt with? Oh, no. I mean, and hats off to fiction writers everywhere and particularly crime fiction, because it's not easy. No, no. I, it was a it was a struggle to start off with because um, I, writing a memoir is easy because you're just talking about yourself. And we're all very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and nobody can contradict you either. So. <laughs> but once you start taking, you know, taking it seriously and doing something like fiction, then it's it, it really is quite tricky. And, I mean, I took a lot of editing and I took a, a lot of constructive criticism, shall we say. Yes. So, yeah. uh, but, so, but it's a skill and um, I just stuck in there and, and hopefully I got to the end and had something that was readable. You certainly have done more than that, I want to say. Uh, Margaret's been on to me to say, uh, maybe you'll just remember this. She says, I have very fond memories of Dr. Mari meeting Patricia Cornwall on the Late Late Show and we're Look at it now. Roles reversed. <laughs> I've 
and I can't think I would ever see her in a mortuary in a pair of wellies. No, 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 <laughs> no it won't work. No, it doesn't work the other way around. It only works in one direction. No. I, can, I can see, I can see that for sure. Thank you for that message, Margaret, to us today. And um, obviously, I, I think by the end of the book, we do know that it's teed up for a sequel, isn't it? There is. There's another one to come. You're working on it already. Tell me, please. <laughs> Well, a bit like yourself, we always like to think that we will be asked back, back <laughs> to the party. So <laughs> um, let's say there's, there's scope for it. Jeepers, <laughs> you know what? You're so right. I feel that every day. <laughs> but there you go. Oh, there well, it's is. working. <laughs> <laughs> but look at you have you have really towards the end of this you've left it that, that that there is the option to pick it up and go with it again and you know for you I suppose people are keen to know what do you, you you've written the book and you're busy with that besides that does this, does this preoccupy you what, what are you up to now what do you do with your time well I've been doing that and I've been doing a lot of um, I did the documentary that came out not long ago and um, various other things and I've now become a consultant and a lot of um television programme so it's, it keeps me busy it, it certainly does oh, oh I have to ask you that which of them on television what, what do you love what, you know in your field of, of murder and intrigue what's your favourite TV uh, show I would be nothing to do with murder <laughs> I used to see enough of that in my day to day but I but no, having said that, there's some very good ones, you know, that have been have come down the line. And the good thing now is that they actually, the writers and the screenwriters mm. actually go to the forensic pathologists and make sure they've got it right. So I think most of us, most of the, the things that you see now, you can say that they are quite authentic. In the past, it used to be anything went. Yes. Um, and none of us were any the wiser, but... Um, they know everybody's clued in these days. Everybody's watched CSI. Everybody knows how it should be done. Yes, yeah. Well, you're uh, you're the supreme politician as well. You've kept very neutral on that answer, I have to say, as well. You've given us nothing. <laughs> Maybe a political career beckons for Mary Cassidy down the road. Do you miss us? Do you miss us here in Ireland and the way we go on and all we get up to? Of course I do. But I'm never far away and I'm back and forward yeah. a lot, you know, yeah. going yeah. to inquests and courts. Sure. Because uh, much as it would be very nice to think that when you retire, it all goes away, it doesn't. It's still mm. there in the background. So, yeah. So, um, as, as I say, I'm always popping back and forward. Good on you. Good on you. Well, look at the book is a tremendous success already. It's called Body of Truth by Mary Cassidy. You know her well. It's an intriguing book. It'll keep you going from first page to last. And with that day coming up on the 25th of December, I know people would love to get this <laughs> as a little gift in their stocking or more besides. Listen, you're lovely. It's great to talk to you again. And your voice oh. has done us a tonic today. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Mary Cassidy there, former state pathologist. Her new book is called Body of Truth. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Back in a moment with your comedy on Friday. Time for this now on Late Lunch. Knock, knock. Who's there? That's how it works. It's called comedy. Comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, sir. Comedy. Comedy. Classic comedy. Classic comedy. On the Late Lunch. I love comedy. With the world the way it is today... Many people are losing faith in faith. George Carlin did many moons ago. The greatest bull story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of 10 things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these 10 things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture. And Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. 
Shopify.com slash work. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you. He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all-powerful, all-perfect, all-knowing, and all-wise, somehow, just can't handle money. <laughs> Religion takes in billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. I want you to know something, this is sincere, I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried, I really really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I gotta tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. And just between you and me, in between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. And by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever things up like this. So, Mr. George Carlin, what a funny man, what a brilliant man. Long gone, but his words, well, they surely resonate with a lot of people today. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio after the break. Susie Ladola is joining us to talk about food addiction. It's timely we speak to our next guest today because this very day there's been a, a march in Dublin by campaigners looking uh, for reforms in eating disorder services. Susie Ladola is a psychotherapist and cognitive behaviour therapist and she's been writing recently about food addiction and she joins me now. Afternoon, Susie. Good afternoon, Sherry. How are you? I'm really good. Great to talk to you again. Uh, Timely, as I said, with that march going on today. But to to get to the nub of this, you feel, and I take from what you've been saying, that really um, food addiction is is not as such, you know what I mean, a concept Mm. that's been grasped. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Sherry. So food addiction as itself is not being classified as a mental health condition as Mm. an eating disorder, for example, because um, there's an argument in the scientific community whether we we can actually classify this as an addiction. But um, however, when we're looking at it more and more, we're noticing from brain scans that similar activities in the brain are happening as with substance abuse or behavior um, uh, addictions like gambling, for example. Mm. So, um, you know, there is definitely... Um, you know, that we, we see food can be addictive. And when we're even looking at how food manufacturer manufacturing food nowadays, you know, processed food, where they actually have scientists employed to make the food addictive. So yes. they're combining a certain amount of salt, fat, sugar, flavors in order to enhance the food. So you, you find it difficult to stop, you know, yes. look at yes. the a tub of Pringles, for example. Oh, once, yeah. <laughs> the, the strap line says it all. Once you pop, you yeah. can't stop. And you know what's funny? I'm thinking, uh, I had a few pints the other night and I came in and, you know, puts the munchies on you and I opened this yeah. bag of dry roasted peanuts, etc. And yeah. I, I had, oh, Susie, forgive me, I ate the whole lot of them. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. uh, you know, that's a once-off type of thing. Seriously, mm. there are people because of, you know, and it's the combination of sugar, fat, salt on the exactly. senses. Sadly, there, there are some of us who can't stop. It just continues, doesn't exactly. it? Yeah, yeah. So 
you know, there, there are certain factors as well as genetic factors, as environmental factors. You know, everyone is different. But people who would uh, have a food addiction, they would, um, you know, when we're looking at the role of the brain in this, um, it's it's much like a substance addiction with certain foods, like I said, particularly the highly processed ones that can stimulate the release of dopamine in the brain. And dopamine, as you know, is a neurotransmitter associated with pleasure and reward. And once it's activated, it reinforces the desire to consume these foods repeatedly. So you want more of it. Like you said, you can't stop. So over time then... For certain people, the brain's reward pathways may become less responsive to the natural reward. So what that means is you're not as satisfied with the amount that you had before. And like with the substance abuse and substance addiction, you want more of it and you want more of it because you're not getting that dopamine hit with that amount that you had before. So therefore, people with a food addiction, they become preoccupied with food, a certain type of food all the time and it can affect them in such a way that they avoid social situations or they're talking about food all of the time and uh, you know it can lead to mental health issues like anxiety and depression in the long run as well if it isn't addressed. How much responsibility lies with the food manufacturers and is that an area that needs to be tackled? Oh yeah look um, we know for example sugar plays a pivotal role in the addictiveness of many foods so it has the ability to trigger rapid release of dopamine so you know you don't have to wait very long for sugar to give you that good feeling you know you you know yourself uh, when you're having a a couple of biscuits with a cup of tea and whatever Mm. or some people um you know they're emotional eaters and i work a lot of uh, with people with emotional eating or binge eating disorders but the, the emotional eating is they're so looking for the dopamine to make them feel better. So they're looking for certain foods that they associate then with uh, giving them a better feeling about themselves. However, that only lasts a very short period of time because very quickly then they start to feel guilty or depressed about it and anxious. Mm. So the food industry does have a a huge part to play in it, Um, you know, because like I said, they're, they're employing actually scientists to make the food addictive. Yes. So I don't know how you can legislate against that because at the end of the day, they are looking to make profit and sell us as much food as they possibly can mm. and not not necessarily the healthy food, you know, because, you know, when you're actually eating a healthy diet, a balanced diet with, with lots of different nutrients, eating the rainbow and so on, you will actually reduce cravings. So you stop when you're full because you're now satisfied. You get that safety feeling. But if you're eating a packet of biscuits or some fast food, the processed food, you're full for a very short period of time. Mm. Your body hasn't received the nutrients it needs. So it's going to crave more food. Yes, and there are so many foodstuffs today. We've talked about this with other people on the show here in the past that just don't have uh, the nutrition that is necessary. And and those are the ones, you know, people today are under pressure for different reasons at work, in relationships, money worries, uh, worries about children. You know what I'm talking about? There's a lot of, and people then, you know, you talk about addictions, you know, drinking and drugs and that. But more and more, People are looking to food. That is the crutch, and the, and it's yes. it's a it's a huge problem. You see it, I'm sure, every day. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is like that. Is because you know when you say you have a gambling addiction or a drug addiction, substance addiction, that is something you could do without. You can live without taking a substance, mm. but you can't live without food. You have to yes. eat. Yeah. So um, you know. So therefore, that's another reason why it's. Uh, Food addiction isn't really, at this moment in time, um, accepted into the DSM-5, which is the psychological, you know, from the psychological society, the symptoms and everything is registered there. But um, I think it might come in in the next one because, um, you know, it is an addiction. You You need help. You need help to learn why you're doing it, what is happening when you're doing it, what is going through your mind at the time, who you're with. You know, what are you trying to solve here? And most people don't, like you said, people are busy. They don't have time to think, why am I now grabbing this food or that food? It's just convenience, really. But um, once you start to analyze what is going through my mind at that time, and it could be, gosh, I'm so tired, I'm so stressed. Stress is a huge factor in grabbing convenience food. And um, 
and then you're grabbing the unhealthy food with that. Uh, so it, it's identifying what is my trigger. Is it stress? Maybe it's tiredness. Maybe I'm exhausted. Maybe I'm burned out or maybe I'm just bored. Uh, yeah. It could be any of those reasons. But you have to identify it and then learn to find different activities with support that will also give you pleasure, but not Mm. taken from the food you know so it's yes. a process yeah. so really you're calling for this to be recognised as an addiction proper yeah. and I hear from what you're saying and I've been reading a lot about what you're writing as well and you're you're really strong on this uh, that needs to be done that it's categorised as a, a proper addiction and just before we finish yeah. if somebody mm-hmm. listening to us today is struggling in the manner we've been talking about where should they turn first where is the first port of call for help well I would always say you know first of all it's it's a, it, there's shame associated with this as well, Jerry. So a lot of people really don't want to admit to it to themselves or don't want to talk to anybody. But first of all, yes, there is help available, very excellent help. Talk to either your GP, talk to a friend and maybe they help you. There are organizations like, um, you know, maybe BodyWise. Talk to a psychotherapist like who specializes in maybe food addiction or uh, disordered eating and eating disorders because food addiction is, is, is kind of similar to binge eating disorder. However, there are differences. Um, but, uh, you know, an expert will have a program for you that's evidence-based, that is based on research, you know, that has been shown to be effective. And uh, seek out that kind of help, you know, if we CBT therapist or... Um, you know, there's different, uh, the body-wise would be able to mm. help as well, maybe to point in the right direction, or your doctor, definitely, yeah. yeah. Very important. Listen, lovely to ca- catch a few words uh, with you today. Yeah, I, you. What you're doing and, and the campaign, I'm fully behind it. I think it's something that thank has you. to be classified as an yeah. addiction sooner rather than later, and it would help so yeah. many people if that were exactly. to happen. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Thanks very much. Not at time. all, Susie. Always lovely to chat to you. Thanks for joining me on the Thanks show today. Bye bye. That's uh, Susie Ladola there. Wonderful lady, uh, psychotherapist and cogner, cognitive behaviour therapist about an issue that is a, a real serious matter for so, so many people. I know it myself. I love me food. Honestly, I do indeed. And you have to have that, you know, discipline on yourself. It's very easy to let it go and not have that. And it, 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 it's a problem then, a real problem. And not one easy to deal with either. And people who are struggling with it, well, you know, we feel for them. And um, let's hope there is a change there coming soon. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. I have a young man joining me next. Oh, he's so talented. And he has something very special to tell us. Yes, musician and... Uh, you know, he's everything else besides he composes, he plays and he produces music. Robert Finnegan is with us next. He's regarded as one of our finest saxophonists and I've spoken to him a couple of times on the show here on Late Lunch. And he joins me again on a very special day. Robert Finnegan, welcome back to Late Lunch. Hello, Jerry. How's it going? It's going really well. And you're back home in Dundalk for a very special reason. Tell our listeners what's happening tonight. Yeah, so it's a really, really exciting day for for us uh, th- this evening. Uh, we're launching our uh, debut EP, actually. So myself and harpist Tara Viscardi, who's also uh, from this lovely island of Ireland, um, we recently launched or released our debut EP, which has the music from uh, folk music from Ireland and the UK. And we're launching that tonight at the the Oriel Centre in uh, Dundalk Jail tonight. Uh, it's also it, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. What time is that at? Just tell us about what time. That's is at seven p.m. And 7 is it PM. is it open to sorry. all to go along, Robert? Open to anyone. Lovely, yeah. lovely, there's, lovely. There's tickets on uh, tickets online. There's tickets on the door, and everyone and anyone's welcome. And the story of this EP, we spoke, didn't we, when you you were telling me some time ago that you were uh, getting going a Kickstarter campaign to fund the EP. So that's obviously been successful to produce it now and publish it. Yeah, we were really, really lucky to be supported by uh, quite like quite a lot of people. And we raised all the money that we needed to, to release and promote the, the EP. And yeah, it, as you say, it's, it's a special one because... It's, we also collaborated with our our fathers, mm. um, who are both visual artists. Obviously, my dad um, is Ken Finnegan, the photographer that I'm sure many, many people Absolutely. In, uh, know, and obviously you know very well. Um, and then Tara's 
dad is a is a painter as well, based down in Kerry in the Bear Peninsula. Yeah. And beautiful part of the world. And so what we've done, we're not releasing CDs uh, for this release. We've done it a slightly different way where it's it, it's nice to have CDs or something physical, like a vinyl or yep. a CD. But um, people like the ease of use of streaming platforms. So what we decided to do was collaborate with our dads, as I say, and have prints. So um, sell print at a 12 by 12 size, which is the same as a vinyl cover, and accompany that with a QR code that people can scan, and it goes straight to our music, and they can listen to it there on whatever whatever way they want to. So they have this keepsake thing that they can have, they can hang up, they can frame, or they can just, it's like, sits up really nicely Mm. it's like hard hard backed and they can have our music ready to go whenever they want I love it Um, I I love it because you see I I, I think it might have been your mum or somebody dropped in two of the prints to me here earlier in the week Mm. and I have them and one is uh, a photograph that your dad took of a beautiful tree (laughs) and it's fantastic and the other is a lovely painting from Tara's dad as well from down the Kerry region as well and I can vouch for them they're absolutely lovely I love this concept I really do it's quite different Robert yeah it's it's something that it, it came across or it came it came about when during the pandemic when like I was listening to a huge amount of of music and people kept sending me CDs and I I literally didn't have I was living in London or I'm still living in London I'm home for a few days but I didn't have a way of playing CDs even my laptop and and other people's laptops that I, um and then like CD players are getting less and less. Mm. And I just, I couldn't physically play anyone's CDs that I was getting. And every restaurant I was going to, or anywhere I was going, had the QR codes that we all had to learn how to scan and sign in and all this. Seems like a lifetime ago since we had to do that. But um, So it was this um, new thing that was coming along and everyone has learned to use it. Mm. So it's kind of this, like having something is really important, though. That's why we wanted to have that connection to like some physical. Yes. Like we all remember our our first CD that we bought or mm. our first vinyl that we bought, and we remember picking it up and having it. Yeah. Like you don't remember the first thing you put in a playlist on Spotify. True. Yes. So that's that was true. The, yeah. And, that and, was the idea. and 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 you know, bringing your dads into the picture is wonderful as well, and their talents as well. So you will have uh, on the double the benefits from each side. You know, from the Viscardis yeah. and the Finnegans as well. You're going to have uh, both uh, streams of talent in the dads and the children as well. In a general sense, how are things going for you in London, yourself and Tara? Yeah, it's great. Um, it's it's really really busy, which is amazing everything's picking up and both of us are playing a lot we play a lot together especially recently we're, we're launching and uh, we all, both have our, our separate projects as well mm. and it's brilliant like the the scene over there is, there's a good mix of and a, a good acceptance of every type of music if you want to do like we play a lot of like especially Tara plays a lot of Irish traditional music um, and I do a bit of jazz but we're mostly classical players so everything kind of goes which is is really great um and people are accepting and there's a lot of irish people there of course as well so i think they like hearing this music that that we're playing it's very kind of nearly like a sense of home every time we play a concert someone comes up and says oh I, i moved to london 40 years ago and I saw you were playing this music and, and this is what I wanted to, to do at my evening. That, like It's something that we really love. We love talking to people and, and hearing their stories yeah. and stuff like that as well. Yeah, that's really touching. It really is. And, and a lovely <laughs> fill-up every time you hear that from people who say it to you. There are uh, five tracks uh, on the uh, the CD and they cover the Irish angle, there's a Welsh angle there and more besides. Well, look, just reminding people again, the Oriel Centre tonight. Remind them of the time starting at 7? 
It's 7pm. Yeah. 7pm in the Oriel Centre. Everybody welcome. If you want to get along to a special night, support these two young people and the artworks of and um, prints of their dads as well. It's all coming together tonight. Listen, you're great. And I'm going to play out now into uh, Top of the Hour at 3 with a track from the EP. I love it. Scarver Affair. Here it is. Good luck to you uh, this evening. And I hope all goes well for you tonight and into the future. Thank you so much, Robert. Brilliant. Thank Bye-bye. you very much, Jay. Congratulations to Jaxie Kiernan. What a man he is. 55 years in business today. Well done. What an achievement that is. And I'm sure the celebrations will go on long. And uh, in Navin tomorrow, another former guest of ours, Elizabeth Oaks. Remember Elizabeth uh, from Pure Reflections, the water cremation uh, business? Well, she's having an open day tomorrow between 1 and 4 o'clock at Abbeylands Flower Hill. That's purereflections.ie. You can get more information there. Yes, uh, as well as Frosterville and Dundalk, Drogheda are switching on their Christmas lights tonight and Drogheda Credit Union are looking for the most festive family. It begins at six o'clock in the heart of Drogheda at St. Peter's Church. Magician Killian O'Connor will join the Drogheda Credit Union judges to scout the crowd looking for the most jolly jumper the best festive family costume and give out spot prizes for participants with creative and cheery festive wear. It's going to all add to the occasion. The switching on the lights in Drada this evening at six o'clock. Let's reprise the uh, TV theme. Yes, that's the theme from Deal or No Deal. Loads of you got it. I thought it was tough, to be honest with you. And it's coming back. It has been revived for sure. And today, a lovely gift going out to Barry Matthews. Well done to you. Uh, got that right, Barry. Congratulations to you. Now, uh, let me tell you that the Love Drahada gift card is available on lovedrahada.ie. Over 220 local businesses across the board will accept card. It's a great idea. You're supporting the business, giving a lovely gift for Christmas. I have a 50 euro card today and it's going to Ashling Clark because you see she answered right. The question was, was the Bind Viaduct opened in 1853, 1854, 1855? It was 1855 it was completed and thanks to everybody who got in touch on that one there. Let's do the countdown now. Five, four, three, two... One. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The big number one from this very week in 1995. And for many listening today, perhaps it will remind you of an era before this one was number one. Because it is a Bachelor song. But number one it was in 95, thanks to Robson and Jerome. I believe for every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. I believe that somewhere in the darkest night, a candle glows. I believe for everyone who goes astray, someone will come. Oh, it's 
a great song, isn't it? Yes, I believe. Number one this week in 1995 for Robson and Jerome, completing our countdown for this week on Late Lunch. Final break of the day and the week on the way. And afterwards, we are joined by our Sunday sports presenter, David Sheehan. David Sheehan standing by and we begin with breaking news, David, on the local soccer front. Yeah, big news coming out of Drogheda United there just at three o'clock. The press release uh, dropped into my inbox and it's the, the news that Kevin Doherty has signed a full-time two-year contract so I guess the significance of it from people for people who aren't familiar is that Drogheda have been operating as you well know Jerry for a long time now on a part-time basis and one of the things that was talked about when the, the takeover happened was transitioning to a full-time model but that wasn't expected to happen for a couple of seasons and it probably won't happen in terms of the playing staff in the short term but certainly for Kevin Doherty to sign a two-year full-time contract that's a, a big step forward and I actually have to say I'm taken a bit by surprise by it in a very positive way it's great news for them but it just shows you, Jerry. You know that the, the new owners are, are already kind of uh, hitting the ground running and making making an impression and making impact and making plans. Uh, and Kevin just in the statement said he's absolutely thrilled transitioning from part time to full time with Drogheda is a dream come true. So on post, we'll be having to look for a new employee, Jerry, to replace <laughs> Kevin on his round. But but yeah, it's it's really it's really big news for Drogheda. And um, as I said, I think it shows that the owners are, are serious about this and they're not they're not wasting any time certainly in putting putting plans in place and I think it's 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 a great thing for the club. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big statement all right and they are hitting the ground running and we congratulate Kevin on his nomination for manager of the year he's been shortlisted uh with uh, the Shamrock Rovers manager and the St Pat's manager. It's a, it's a great achievement for him and we'll uh, wish him well on that big night coming up. Now, let's stay with soccer just for a second. I'm not going to dwell on it. Uh, internationals uh, this weekend Ireland are in Holland the final group game in what's been a dismal uh, campaign. Uh, it's the final hurrah for Stephen Kenny. Yeah, it is. It's his final competitive game in charge. We know they did the New Zealand game coming up as well. Um, but, you know, just looking at his record, played 38, won 11, drawn 10, lost 17. Uh, it, it hasn't been. And, it, and I think, Jerry, we all wanted it to work and we all wanted to see Ireland change in that style of play from what was fairly rudimentary tactics over the years to something a little bit more in keeping with the modern style of football. And you know, you cannot fault Stephen Kenny for trying to do that. And there have been times where they've played really well and they've played really good football. And I've actually enjoyed watching them playing a lot more in the last couple of years than I have done in, in, in the years prior to that when it was very much kick and rush. That being said, it's all about results. It hasn't happened for them. We see Mikey Johnson in the press conference today saying they want Stephen to stick around and they really like him. Of course, what else is he going to say in front of the media? But I think that ship has sailed for Stephen Kenny. Um, I suppose the only thing I was thinking about earlier on, Jerry, was like when he's when, when the next man comes in, if he can bring on that group of players, and we know he's brought through a huge amount of young players and given them all caps and given them a try. So I think if the new manager can come in and carry on with that group and bring them on, I think history will be will be kind enough to Stephen Kenny. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens from here. But I think, unfortunately for him, this will be his last competitive game in charge. We hope, we hope Evan Ferguson will be fit to play and that maybe they can go out with a bit of a bang in the group. But... Either way, whatever happens, uh, Stephen Kenny won't be managing Ireland for the next qualification campaign, that's for sure, I would say. Yeah, that's a certainty at this stage. Now, on to GA and let's zip quickly through a busy weekend of football and hurling, beginning tomorrow with uh, football and Rat Kenny out in the intermediate semi final in Leinster against Scully Connell. Yeah, Scully Connell, a, a kind of a, a throwback to traditional team. It would have been um, people who, who would have followed Dublin back in the, the, the old days, the 60s and 70s, would have been familiar with that club. Um, and yeah, competing with, against Rakeni in the semi-final. Uh, they beat, um, obviously, Roche in the last in the last game in the semi-final. And I was doing the Rakeni game that day down in Longford against Keane. And I checked the score in the Scully Connell game at halftime because I knew the winners of those two games would meet. Scully Connell were leading, I think, with one nine to five points. Now, there was a strong breeze. Roche came back into it and almost salvaged extra time. They just came up short by a point. But Kenny pulled well clear of Keane in the second half. And, you know, home advantage this time of year, Jerry, is a, is a big thing as well. And they're in Park Talton, a, a very familiar surroundings for them. Um, and I think Rat Kenny will have enough class to to get through that one. Uh, you know, Keith Curtis is flying at the moment. They have the likes of Donald Keoghan. Bit of experience from Brian Mead as well uh, around the middle. He's wearing 14, but he's playing out around the middle the whole time. So I think Rat Kenny will have enough to get through that one and, uh, and advance to the final. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Junior football Glide Rangers up against Mano War, Deirdre Hurley, um, Almer Matter. That was Deirdre's club. 
Yeah, man of war. Yeah, again, another. It, the, the, the thing I love about these club competitions, Jerry, is you come across clubs that you've never really heard of before, or you're not that familiar with, and you're you're going to matches in places that are a little bit off the beaten track. Uh, this one's up in Denal, which is Clonwera's uh, home ground. It's, it's the kind of the, the way they work it with these games generally is it's home county advantage, um, but not in the home club. Although the exception, I suppose, on Sunday for RD. But the man of war. Glide Rangers, yeah, again, Glide on a great run. I was listening to Colm's interview with their manager during the week there, and it's all about momentum at this time of the year and just getting the wins and getting through. And, you know, one game away from, from a, a Leinster final as well. I know Man of War had the, the, the Dublin under-20s captain, I think, from last year playing with them. He'd be a handy enough lad that they want to keep tabs on. But there's no reason why Glide can't go up there. Again, it's a little bit of an adventure up the, up the M1 uh, into a ground they're not going to be too familiar with. But they'll give that a good rattle and uh, yeah let's say Glide will just sneak through that one again it's 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 a very much a tight toss of a coin game but the run that Glide are on I think at the moment let's let's hope that they can get through that let's stay with football St Mary's RD uh, they have a huge challenge on Sunday Ooh. which you'll be featuring on Sunday Sport against Kilmacud Croaks hard to see the loud mm. champions winning that one it's going to be very very difficult for them I mean you're looking at Kilmacud Croaks who it's probably a little bit early to say it, but they could well go down as probably as one of the best club teams of all time. As I say, a little bit early to say that, and people from Cross McGlen Rangers will probably have a bone to pick with me on that. But you look at the talent that they have, even just in the likes of Shane Walsh, Shane Walsh, Mannion there as well, and a few other lads that are around the squad. They're they're just so 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 strong, and they they cruised past Arrow there on TV a week or two ago. Now, as I said earlier, RD St Marys have home advantage for this one in their home ground on their home patch. Um, which has been essentially the county grounds for the last few years. So, you know, if anyone could ambush them, it'll be RD St Mary's. But Kilmacroke Croaks just have so much talent. Like they, Jerry, they give they give a lot of inter-county teams a, a mm. game and, and probably be, probably beat quite a few of the Division Three or Four teams in, in the uh, on the national scene. So they're so strong. Very hard to see RD St Mary's coming through that one. I'm afraid it'd be great if they did, and I think they'll. They'll give it everything they have and they'll they'll wire into Kilmacoe Croaks, but it's it's very difficult to, to bet against them who are, of course Kilmacoe Croaks, Leinster and all are in champions as yes. well. So it's it's gonna be a tough one. So we're done and dusted. That's it. That's it. All David, done. have a good show on Sunday. Talk to you next week. Thanks so much. <laughs> Take care. Bye bye. A week ahead of myself with Kildarki. Anyway, I frightened everyone Kildarki as well, too. They might be thinking they should be there this Sunday, and we'll be talking about that uh, next Friday with David. That's it on late lunch for another week. Big thank you to my producer Louise Walsh. Couldn't do it without her. To our guests who be with us every day. We love your company and you are listeners. Sure. What would we be without listeners? Nothing at all. Have a good weekend, all of you. Brian Farley's coming next with the drive. We'll see you for a brand new week of late lunch Monday at half one. Take care, bye. 